This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Knicks fans, how you doing? Uh, it is your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. A um, couple things. First, foremost, as always, welcome to my co-host, the man for whom, uh, with whom, um, I don't know what the proper preposition is. Uh, I cannot do this without Jeremy Cohen. Jeremy, how are you? I'm great. Yeah, I uh, I bought a bike this week. Apparently it was... <laughs> I did not expect last, that. <laughs> it was the last bike in the tri-state area, practically, or at least within like 50 miles of where I am. And it's been great. It's been really awesome to get exercise. And uh, I've never enjoyed the feeling of, of wanting to die in the best possible way more now that I actually can can really exercise again. So it's been awesome. How about you, John? How are you? I, I'm okay. You just reminded me, uh, you know, shout out to the Hard Nick's Life guys because um, Barry... Uh, I don't know if you know this. Barry runs a bike store, store in Long Island. I did not. He did, and he he, he does, and he, he will continue to because apparently business has been booming. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> one of the one of the few people benefiting from all this. Um, so yeah, shout out to Barry. Um, and uh, I'm I'm good. I'm you know what I, I'm I'm I have a little pep in my step today because I feel like for the first time for real. Like for real, for real, um, we we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, and at least we have. I think there's going to be some, some. We've all had a lot of questions. There's still a lot of questions, but I think we're we're starting to get some, like the outline of what the answers to those questions are going to be, and I think the actual real answers um, we will be able to. I don't know if we'll be able to talk about them on next week's show, but well, why don't we why don't we jump right in? So, a couple things: um, the Knicks are um, awaiting, um, like the other twenty nine teams, um, what is going to be a very important board of governors call. Um, the NBA is going to hold a board of governors call on Friday, um, so five days from right now, um, or I guess uh, four days by the time you're listening to this in which they are going to talk about um, all of the different um, formats that are under consideration for um, the return to basketball. And Jeremy and I are going to go through those and and kind of what maybe I guess would make more sense for the Knicks, what would make less sense for the Knicks in a second. But before we get there, I should note that – the uh, Hoop Collective, which is the the podcast that Brian Windhorse hosts, uh, they came out with an episode 
on uh, Monday morning today that we're recording this. And him and Tim Bontemps and Bobby Marks kind of, you know, I, I hate calling anything that Brian Windhorst does speculating. Don't, don't you always get a sense when he talks that he knows more than he could say? Yeah, I feel like he's it, – It's everything is pretty much like I'm not at liberty to say this, but what I'm hearing is <laughs> – Yeah. And I get – you know, I think the – the John, I don't know if you saw Game of Zones. I did not. I hear it's okay. very, it was a very good. It's the last one, right? Yes, yes. So I was I, never a Game of Zones guy, so yeah, no. Yeah, I'm admittedly two episodes behind. I mean, the show just wrapped. It's uh, two of the four. But what's great is that they they basically had Windhorse as uh, essentially. Um, I guess it was more of a Varus type. Uh, okay, so, all right. But then it was like Wind Horse, so. It, it, the point is he he basically knew all of the secrets and it was fantastic. And I, I yes, I completely agree. I think that that's perfect. He he knows he, he's a, a fountain of knowledge. Is that, that that's right? Fountain of knowledge, font of knowledge, whichever. No, fountain. Yeah, fountain okay, of knowledge. Yeah. Um, and basically he he's only at liberty to say so many things, but he gets away with saying enough where it uh, satiates his his uh, audience. Yeah. And um, so I, I took a listen and I, I won't go through all the details, but basically, I, you know, they were all in agreement that it just for a variety of reasons, it it, it makes the most sense to resume with 16 teams um, because from a timing aspect of it. um from a from a testing from a risk standpoint from a perspective of you know um these certain teams are are not that you know that are out of it are and we're going to talk about this some more but like are are not going to want to maybe send some some players like they you know spoke about golden state like you think for in in a million years the warriors are going to send Steph Curry to play in any of these games no of course not um and there are other examples that that are pertinent, but um, you know, for every, you know, they, they talked about like the trailblazers as being like, okay, that's maybe one team where that fan base and maybe even that owner um, might be like, Hey, we want our chance to play ourselves into this thing and, and maybe, you know, have a shot at the Lakers in the first round. But for every one Portland, there's five, you know, name your other teams, Hornets, Knicks, Wizards. Um, I'm trying to think of some other, like, Basically, a lot. Most of the other teams that are kind of on the outside looking in. Um, it sounds like so. And uh, let me. I should have probably led with this. The NBA on Friday um, sent out a GM survey um, to all thirty teams, in which they asked their GMs, and this is a as reported by Shams of the Athletic. Um, you know, they asked all the GMs to chime in on what they ideally wanted to see. And I think it has since been reported that most GMs and correct me if I'm wrong, Jeremy, and I'm sure you saw the same thing. GMs of teams that are out of it, their, their priority at this point is to basically keep their, keep their draft pick and like not, they, they don't want to do anything that would risk either the pick that they have or the potential of like moving up. I think I want to say, was that Woj that reported something along those lines? I think it was Woj. It may have been, but yes, that's the general sentiment. That's the general sentiment. Okay. Um, One little tidbit. I spoke to someone who has knowledge of what's going on with the league and 
Um, again, this is not something I'm like reporting. This is like common knowledge, but just it was how could I put this? It was made very clear to me that this was not something that was done for appearance sake, um, which is to say that Adam Silver and the league care very much what their um, teams want and what their teams don't want. Um, and they're, you know, this this was not something done for shits and giggles. They're, they're going to be very, I think, respectful and receptive of the responses to this survey. Um, you know, and again, this is all leading up to the Board of Governors call on Friday. So my guess is that like there's always been this like June 1st date of like, all right, we're going to have our shit figured out by June 1st. I think they're going to have their shit figured out by June 1st. Um, so with all of that as kind of a precursor to to talking about what, what the Knicks should want, what the Knicks maybe do want, if those two things are different, any, any initial thoughts on how, where everything is right now? Well, for starters, congrats on the exclusive breaking news that you just laid out on our podcast. That's <laughs> Please don't call it. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Adam Silver gives a shit about his teams. There you go. That's the breaking <laughs> news. Uh, yeah, you know, I feel like uh, a lot of times I've seen cancel the season. And uh, I think the, the thing is, obviously, teams like Lakers fans have been saying, like, well, why would we want to cancel the season, right? Uh, but maybe cancel season doesn't have to be cancel the entire season. Maybe it can just be, hey, if we're really bad, just cancel our season. And yeah. people talk about basketball coming back and how exciting it'll be. Just think about the the energy and how awesome you know fans will love it. They'll eat it all up. Look, I mean, here's the thing. You there's a whole issue of potentially getting teams to 70 games because that is the threshold for regional contracts. I want to say. Can I chime in on that real quick? Please I do. For, I forgot to mention. That's been the number that's been hovering over this for me too, and yet the way that Winhorse made it sound, and again, it's just Winhorse; it's his his opinion as much as anything. Is that that number is, or that? Let me rephrase that: that priority to get to that seventy. When you consider how much the teams are going to need to player pay the players to play, and also the fact that they're not going to have any gate receipts from these games. They're not going to have any, um, you know, concession money, all the shit you get when the games are at your, your own arena, that that would not be as big a deal. Um, not getting to that 70 game mark. Cause I'm like, I'm the same as you. I've been like, that's a huge priority. And apparently the way they made it sound on the pod was that it is not at, at that big of a priority. So t- take that, you know, for what it's worth. Yeah. So it's the sort of thing where just getting to 70, I, Having all of these people or players or anyone who works with the team personnel, you could call them, coming to Florida, quarantining for two weeks just to play what? Four, five, six games just to meet that demand? It seems seven in the case of some some teams, it would be as little as three. Some teams, it would be as many as seven. Yeah. Right. So to me, it's just like you're like, yes, you want basketball to come back, right? Okay. Well, uh, the Cavs, their next two games are against the Hornets and the Hawks. Are you telling me that that you're really going to be excited to watch that? No, I don't think even Cavs fans would care. I don't think Hawks fans would care. I don't think Hornets fans would care because all of those games, the only thing they'd really care about is their lottery seating. <laughs> Could we lose more games? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I think it should be – I love the idea of the playoff plus. One of the things that the league had considered at the beginning of the season was, okay, well, 
will will basically lock in the top six seeds of each league, each conference. And then seven will play 10 and eight will play nine. And that will kind of figure out how to do it. I think that's a lot of fun. I think that the league could get a little funky here in terms of trying to figure things out. Like this would be a great uh, test case. Why not see what what happens? Worst case scenario, uh, they do something format wise that's terrible. And it's like, okay, well, uh, unprecedented times. So we did something different. And uh, as a result, we, you know, we made a change. And I think the league isn't, the league is always changing, right? I mean, they, we had the the change to the all-star game and it was yeah. fantastic. So everything, all sports, I mean, all leagues, and, they, they grow and adapt. And so. they were, they were proactive and, and silver yes. is proactive. And this is a proactive league. It's the opposite of baseball, right? It's like baseball is like, how could we hold on like grim death to what we have been for the last hundred years? Adam Silver, to his credit, is always like, we need, what's the next step? What's the next way we could be ahead of the game? And I think to, to what you're saying, I think they're actually looking at this as like, how can we use this as an opportunity to try some crazy shit? It's a focus group. Uh, <laughs> and I'd say a great way the, of putting it. <laughs> the difference between baseball and basketball is I feel like basketball, both do change, but basketball in my mind changes for the better. Um, like with the All-Star game, I think that's one example. But then baseball is like, hey, what if we, you know, made it mandatory for pitchers to be facing three batters? It's like, well, you know, we don't need that. It's like, all right, well, that's that's a change. Uh, what if we reduce the amount of time that it takes for a pitcher to throw the ball? It's like, well, all right. I mean, I guess it's like, OK, you know what? We're going to do that. It's like, oh, yeah, let's uh, let's just eliminate intentional walks completely. All right, cool. You saved maybe a minute of our lives. Great. Like, like that's the thing where I just it pisses me off that baseball has changes, but they're not the better ones. Um but that, that's a different conversation. Anyways, for, for this, so I'd love to see those 20 teams. Of course, you run the risk of do you take 10 from each conference? Uh, in that case, I say no, you don't. Because when you look at the standings, um, basically teams 11 through 14, uh, looking from the well, bottom up, they're all sandwiched together and so close. And they all happen to be in the Western Conference. Well, no, could we could – because we this is where I think it gets sticky in that and this I haven't heard anybody talk about this and you you if you've heard someone talk about this uh, and if you if you if you're listening to this and you've heard someone talk about this um message one of us or or at one of us or whatever and let me know I'll give the person credit but I think the the big problem here and you just kind of alluded to it Jeremy the east and the west are not equal uh partners in this dance and here's what I here's what I mean by that. Look at the West. Ninth place, Portland would love to, I think, genuinely would love to get in the playoffs, especially considering how low their odds are would be of moving up to the top four. Pelicans made no qualms about how important they wanted, how, how much a, a playoff berth would mean to them this year. The Kings would maybe, a, a playoff berth might mean more to them than um, any team in the league, arguably, because of how long they've been out. And then, last but not least, in 12th place, the Spurs who have that playoff streak going that I think they're very proud of and I think they would want to continue. Compare that to the East where you have the Washington Wizards who, you know, okay, maybe there's some priority there to try to get in. But then after that, you got the Hornets, the Bulls, and the Knicks. Those teams are smart enough to know that, you know, they don't need the embarrassment of getting waxed by 40 points a game by the by the Bucks. Like, I, do you think any of the Hornets, the Bulls, or the or the Knicks have any remote desire to get into some kind of a a thing if it's going to hurt their lottery chances? 
Not at all. But I'll say this, you know, usually in, in normal circumstances, we'll say like, okay, well, that's just the way it shakes out, right? I mean, how many times have we seen teams like the Hornets um, be under 500 and still make the playoffs? But here, basically, because in this case, if we took two from each conference, the Hornets would actually make the playoffs. It's like, okay, well, well they would make the whatever the thing is. That, right. Yeah. It, yeah. Based on if we're doing conferences purely. Um, so they're a 23 win team. And if you're a team like, uh, let's say, the Spurs and you've won 27 games, you could say, sure. I mean, yeah, it, it seems unfair in a normal situation, even if we're like in 10th place with 45 wins and an East team is in eighth place with 40, they'll still make it. But based on the circumstances, why why are they making it? When, and also the Hornets, like, why are we making it? Why don't we get to actually play for the future here? Um, of course, I mean, Michael Jordan is their owner. I'm sure he would love to see that happen. But Regardless, I think that the best thing to do here, uh, or at least the most fun, because the biggest argument against eradicating conferences for the playoffs has been travel time. Yeah. Because it's always, you know, you've got one team that has to fly across the country. And then if they win, then the next maybe they're flying across the country again. It's a lot. Well, here, if everyone's in one setting and you've got, you know, say 20 teams, there's really no excuse in my mind on why you can't do it, why you can't explore it. And Wait, hold on. Let's uh, let's be specific. So yeah. you're are you talking about just one through sixteen, or are you talking about something like basically switching up the seating, or are you talking about really going batshit crazy, doing a one to twenty, something where you have maybe the bottom six or eight or or whatever play in some kind of a round robin, a play in whatever it is. And have those last four all be from the West because based on record, they are the four that – like and I'm talking about the, the Blazers, the, the Pelicans, the Kings, and the Spurs. They're the four that are like the, the next four best records? So I want to see something that's a little bit more like March Madness, which is that you basically have play-in games for those teams that are say 11 through 16, whatever it might be. Um, maybe it's 18, whatever the right number is. And you have that. And the winners, once you pare it down, uh, you could do one game, you do three games, you do five games. It really doesn't matter to me. But once you get to 16 teams, you've had that solidified, then it's all one through its seeding. So the, hypothetically speaking, the number one team could play the number 20 team if that's how it worked out. Um, I'd love to see that because I think hockey's also doing that. They just passed 24 teams instead of the usual 16. Okay. And so teams are playing each other to have the right to then kind of make the playoffs, but they're still in the playoffs. It's like, again, 68 teams, those four other teams outside of the 64 in March Madness, they're still in March Madness. They just, they're, they're not guaranteed to, to be in after the playing game. So I'd love to see that. Um, again, I, I don't think that there's any reason why the teams one through 10 in this case, from a tanking perspective, should be playing at all. Uh, but then you come down to a couple interesting thoughts. Uh, the first one is, well, if they're if it were mandatory for them to play, we know, for example, that Steve Kerr said, no matter what happens, if they want us to play, we'll be good soldiers. And I think you're right. There's no way they bring Steph Curry down there. Um, getting to 70 again, if that's the case, if not, doesn't matter why you're bringing them down then. I'm not quite sure. But if you really wanted to have entertaining basketball, I think that what happens now is we're at a point where teams have had an advantage or a disadvantage because of games played in terms of how that seeds the lottery. Because right now, it's like if you're a team like the Knicks, right? You've played 
66 games. Yeah. Whereas if you're a team like the Wolves, you've played 64. Yeah. So, I mean, and the Wolves aren't really that far off. In fact, they're only a game. The Wolves wolves are – hold on. I'll I'll tell you. You're saying a game behind the the Knicks. Yeah. The the Wolves right now have – Okay, yeah. The Wolves have 45 losses. The Knicks have 45 losses. The difference is the Wolves have 19 wins. The Knicks have 21 wins. So, yeah. Right. And the Knicks just won a game. The last game they played, they beat the Hawks. So if you're New York, you're saying, whoa, 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 how is this How is this fair? I mean, there's a chance, hypothetically, that we could move up just by Minnesota winning two games. And how, and how about, by the way, this is absolutely fucking relevant because right now the, the Wolves, correct me if I'm wrong, are in the um, – aren't they in the third position in the lottery? They are. And listen – the, the cha- Lamelo Ball is not, and, and look, let's. This all fucking ties together, and we can get into Lamelo later. But you know, Lamelo Ball is not falling to six or seven or eight, which is the three. I think percentage wise, those are the three spots that the Knicks are most likely to pick. Maybe eight is slightly less than like one of the top four, but whatever. It's in the the same area. The Wolves at three, like. Then there's a much better chance the Knicks end up with Lamelo Ball, who's the guy they want, if they're at three as opposed to seven, which is the most right. likely where they're going to pick. So this absolutely matters to them. Yeah, and so Alan Hahn did come up with something uh, that I read. Um, essentially, it was saying like kind of working it where you you find what the I think it was the the least number of games played, and then you walk back. I don't the, think the games beforehand. Do you think, think they're, they're going to do that? No, not at all. Not at but all. But again, how do you how do you find some sort of even footing? And so if these teams were if it were mandatory for them to play instead of having them make these, you know, hit a marker that they're all even at and then you kind of roll a lottery from there, I would love to see them do some sort of those 10 teams duke it out and the winner gets the number 1 pick. Your second place a, gets the second a, pick. A, a tournament to play for the top pick. Well, you'd have to incentivize it, right? Because the players aren't going to give a shit. No player is going to necessarily say, all right, I I, I care about, you know, Ooh, getting st- this pick on my team. So you'd have to make it some sort of incentivized tournament. But and again, I don't I don't think this is what they should do. I think the the bottom 10 teams shouldn't be playing, period. But I'm saying if they absolutely had to play, at least do something where they're not just playing meaningless games to hit a marker so that we can then properly evaluate them from a lottery seating. That's yeah, my concern. I, I found it. So there's so much that's interesting with this. I agree with you in that the bottom 10, the more I've been thinking about this, the more I've, I completely agree with you, which is that these bottom 10 teams to just send them someplace that, you know, how many like let's look at the Knicks. How many guys on the Knicks do you think actually want to go down to Orlando and play these games? I mean, Taj Gibson is the is the consummate pro. You think he feels like going down to Orlando and and be confined to you know not a literal bubble but like a figurative bubble for you know? And again, the the, the current this all ties together. The current rule in Florida is that anybody flying in has to be from certain places, including New York, has to be quarantined for 14 days. Yeah. So if I I had to guess, there's probably only one player who actually wants to do it from the Knicks. Yeah. You make me guess who who who, who you're thinking of. You you can guess or I can say whatever you want. I mean, I can't think of like I can think of a few players who might be 
up for it, but I can't think of right. one that stands out. Who? I'll say it. Kevin Knox. I'm sure Kevin Knox would love the opportunity to get more playing time. That's fair. Is he is he already in Florida or is he back or is he still in New York? Um, that's a great question. Is there a way I know he just posted something on um some social media service that I'm sure it's quite easy to figure out where it was posted from. That doesn't mean that I could do it. Um because right. I'm old. if he's in Florida already, then he doesn't have to quarantine. He has an opportunity to play because uh there was of course the report that his his group, his team, whatever, uh wanted him to play more minutes and yeah. they were hoping that would happen. This would be an opportunity. But again, I mean the the risk of injury, the risk of just just playing for for what? Like, I mean the Knicks the risk is honestly if it's a few more wins, what does that do to you? That just means if you get even unluckier in the lottery that you now have to if you really want to trade up, it's even more it's for, just for the Knicks, this would be an opportunity to get it would literally, I think for a lot of these teams they would look at it as an opportunity to get more losses. And I think the 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 nice thing about the NBA is I think there is a level of transparency between all parties that like that and A teams would be not honest like there would be no uncertainty about that. Um, like silver is going to realize that I'm sure he already does realize that I'm sure he's probably realized that for quite some time. Um, and he's not going to do something to put teams in a position where they're essentially trying to lose games. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure Leon Rose in a perfect world would have liked to got, you know, get to see Kevin Knox more too. And, and, you know, the other Knicks new hires, you know, is it worth, is it worth it though? And I just, it's becoming increasingly clear to me, at least, that it's. I don't think it is. Just to add, I, I looked it up. Yes, uh, Mark Berman reported last week. So RJ's in Orlando, okay. which is very convenient. Um, Mitch is in New Orleans. Yeah, but Dotson. that's hold on. The New Orleans is falls in the same boat because of what's Louisiana. Yeah, because it's not good there, and that's another one where I think Florida has a fourteen day quarantine for anyone coming in from Louisiana. So again, you're talking about 14 days, and that's before you could even play a pickup game. And, and one of the things that Shams had in here was um, the poss- how many scrimmage games. This was a question in the GM survey. Scrimmage games prior to any restart, two, three, four, or five. So you know there's going to be some kind of a, a precursor in addition to the training camp, which is going to be two weeks. Um, like they're not going to have – them just show up and start playing games. It's just not going to happen. So yeah. t- is it, you know, a good amount of time. And again, going back to guys like Taj Gibson and Wayne Ellington and whoever else, it's like, are these guys really going to want to come? No, probably not. And, and, anyway, keep, keep yeah. it going. Uh, and Kevin Knox is in Tampa, but um, oh, as is. you're saying, okay. yeah, but as you're saying, um, so the Florida department of health earlier uh, this Memorial day said that, Four states had to self-isolate from the 14 days. Uh, you said it as well. Louisiana was one of them. Connecticut, New York, and New Jersey. Those are the four. There you go. So you have to think, okay, well, how many of the players, how many of the personnel, uh, how, the coaches, everyone? How, like, it, it's just a clusterfuck of people who have to come in and isolate and self-isolate. And for what? Just to play five games or the scrimmage games leading up? It's it's a nightmare. Um, I, I just don't. I don't see any logical reason how this helps anyone. It takes uh, 
it takes testing away from other people as well. Like I, I'm all for playing basketball if the conditions are safe. Well, the, and again, you know, you have to assume that they they would be able to purchase these kits. The testing thing apparently is not an issue. Apparently, the NBA is on top of this, and while it may cause some people to be upset as to how they're getting these tests or who they're taking the tests away from. Apparently the testing is not an issue. Um, it's, it's merely a matter of like the timing and like basically what, what do people want? And, and that was the other part of this, which is that, you know, it's the original goal of the NBA. My understanding is that they wanted to get all this wrapped up by labor day and that has now become essentially a, a pipe dream. And now they're they're thinking, let's just try to finish it up by September, at the, the end of September. And then one of the questions on the survey was, um, latest possible date for finished? And they mentioned Labor Day, September 15th, October 1st, October 15th, or November 1st. I can't fathom they go like through October. And like really go like the first three, four weeks of football, that's whatever. It's fine. If like you're getting if you're putting up NBA finals games, as long as you're avoiding that, like first those first couple of key football dates, like the Thursday night game, the first Sunday, the first Monday, I think you're probably fine going into like the week, maybe two or three of the NFL season. But going into like late October, I, I don't see it. But then at the same time. If they're asking about the possibility of 72 or 76 regular season games, well, like the only way to do that is going to be go, to go into I, – I think basically what they're doing is they're giving all these teams the option to be like, look, we'll do whatever it is you want us to do, but we have to all come to an agreement. And I think maybe a lot of these questions, honestly, are just like CYA stuff. You know, It's just like the league covering its ass and making sure that, you know – the Spurs or the Wizards or the Bucks or whoever, like if they feel strongly about a certain thing, like they get a chance to to voice that opinion. Yeah. Um, can we agree that the Knicks, all things considered, the thing that they want and the thing that is best for them is to not play any more games? I would agree with that. I, I would say that the – yes – hundred percent. It's also trying to figure out the other teams because the Knicks have played more games than most of those teams, figuring out how you sort. But look, I mean, I, I'm comfortable with six because I know that the risk of dropping just before the lottery even occurs to seven or eight or even nine is, is easier than people may think. I think the bottom line that people also have to keep in mind is that if the Knicks really wanted to, they can trade up in 2020 and in 2021's drafts. Like well, the Knicks have We're going to we're going to talk about this before we finish today. Yes. So, it's not a matter of whether they should or shouldn't. It's just they can. And there are other ways to create other assets too. It depends of course on how they're off season. We can't say summer because that's a completely different situation out there. <laughs> summer off summer starts today, Jeremy. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's the thing. It's it's like I would rather just Stick with what's going on. I'm, I'm comfortable not seeing Knicks basketball for a while. And I, I think the other thing that we do have to consider, uh, because a lot of the top people in charge, at least from a scientific standpoint, and who, who are working on this, have talked about is the second wave. And I think the smartest thing that the NBA can do is get in and get out. 
in terms, I mean, yes, maybe yes. there's a lower risk when it's, it's warmer. Um, but basically if, if history does repeat itself in a lot of ways, you look at the Spanish flu, you look at other ways that it, that this has manifested other strains, potentially there's a lot going on here and it's in the NBA's best interest to just get this done and get the hell out of Florida. No disrespect to Florida, just generally. No, no, I know what you're things up and then you can start your, your free agency. You can have the draft. You don't need to necessarily have these, these meetings, at least with, with prospects, with prospects you do, I'm sorry, with, with free agents. Um, it's a little bit easier, perhaps it just, uh, you gotta you gotta ensure that that it's an in and out situation and, and teams kind of leave the building as soon as they can. So it's great that they have a spot, but otherwise I'd I'd love to just see it kind of clear out before. I mean, ideally the last time would be Labor Day, and then you can start football on time. Of course, then I, I still don't see football having the NFL having fans in the building, but that's a completely different topic. Uh, yeah, loaded um, one. Yes, very much so. Um, look, you nailed it with Knox. Um, He's literally the only true, tangible, on-court benefit to like, yes, would it be great for Leon Rose and and Frank Zanin and, and, and Walt Perrin, I guess, even though he's going to be focusing on the draft, to get a look at Knox and maybe really give Knox a lot of playing time, uh, potentially against teams that are playing for something. Yeah, that would be cool. That would be really cool. Um, but it's not enough to you know, overtake all the other stuff that we don't, you know, you know we don't, don't need to go into, into any more detail on. Um, and the only other benefit would be to lose more games. And, and again, if we're in agreement that the league is smart enough to not send teams to this type of situation, put it this way, the league wants to avoid tanking in perfect situations. They're going to go out of their way to avoid tanking in a situation like this, where there's so much extra de- detriment. Um, you know, and I just, if, if the 70 games thing is not that big of an incentive, you know, I guess the only, I guess the only way it would happen would be is if like enough teams like the, like, this is how it would happen, right? Enough teams would be like the Knicks and be like, wait a minute, hold on. The Wolves didn't have as much of an opportunity to lose more games or potentially win more games, I guess. And that we could like go ahead of them in the lottery. I just can't fathom, you know, Leon Rose being like, yes, go make that argument. Argue for us to play more games so that Minnesota could play more games so that they might win two more games so that we might get, you know, eight. Like that's, that's, it's just, it's not going to happen. Um, so yeah. Okay, good. So this is, this is where we're at. I, I my guess, what would your guess be? Let's go to you first. What, what's your guess right now is to what they, what they end up doing. My guess is that they do go one through 16 and that they take away conferences because that's a more exciting, some more exciting matchups. I also think that you can essentially get the Lakers and the Nets, which would be a huge story. I mean, of course, you don't have Kevin Durant. You might have Kyrie Irving back, but it would. there are ways where you can build it where you have matchups that are a little bit more exciting. For example, in the East, normally you would have um, maybe it wouldn't get as exciting until the second round, but now there's intrigue teams you never thought would face each other in the playoffs are suddenly duking it out and it's really exciting. So I, I would love to see that. I think that is what happens. I think ultimately teams who are, or that are one through whatever, probably any lottery team in this case probably doesn't come back. 
I do think that the league will respect that. Um, I think the league understands that the, the product is just kind of going to be sacrificed in some way, because like you said, if the Warriors don't send Steph Curry, I mean, they've already got the one seed in terms of tanking essentially wrapped up. Even if you get to 70, it's just about there. So they can get that easily. Why, why have games when you can just have better games, more important games that people actually want to watch and it kind of doesn't water down the product as much. You have a smaller sample, but it's it's quality over quantity. So I do think ultimately the the league does try to go in that direction. I guess they'll probably start what maybe hopefully towards the end of July. I, I, I think it's end of July, yeah. And then from there they can you know it, it probably will take about two months, which may, maybe a month and a half. It depends on on if they want to restructure playoffs. So I think fifty. Uh, I believe the playoffs is fifty five days. Is what the typical playoff um, time frame is. So, if if it were it's a big if if it were July fifteenth, then fifty five days brings us to. Does that bring us exactly to Labor Day, or am I? I might be off by a day or two, but it's roughly Labor Day. Around there, yeah. Yeah. And then you can do the draft that week, and then you can start for agency on the fifteenth. Or I, I don't have a calendar in front of me, but if that's a, a Sunday or a Saturday, whatever it might be, you can then have it the first, the, the Friday before, the Monday after, whichever. But I think it's, it sets the league up really nicely to then have a very brief off season because, again, this is a time where players are resting. They're, they're they, able to, to get in that off season time. You're just structuring it differently. And then you aim to start in around Christmas. You have you your, you have your, completely. you have your media day after Thanksgiving. Um, yeah. you know, that Monday after maybe league wide, the meet that media day, the first media day is the Monday after Thanksgiving when, t- when, and that gives you your, you know, your four weeks of training, training camp slash preseason, which I think is fine. Exactly. So that's where I'm at. Um, I'm going to shift a little bit. I, I bet you they get. 20 teams to Orlando and I don't know what it's going to look like. Um, I don't know if it's going to be 10 East, 10 West. I just, I, I think it's going to be 20. I I bet you it'll be 20 teams to Orlando. Um, And there's going to be some kind of a preliminary thing that will count as playoffs because of the money issue with like regular season games and, Paying players for regular season versus playoffs. Players players don't get paid for playoffs. That's something they noted on that pod. Um, yeah, so uh, we'll we'll bet a beer on it. How about that, Jeremy? Um, I mean, I in that case, I hope that I lose the beer because I really do like. <laughs> <laughs> like I brought it up for a reason because I really do like that plan. I think it could work a lot. Um, so you know, I mean, it's just it's more logistics, but I I think I think you're ultimately going to be more correct in that if you expand the pool by just a four teams and you get creative with it, then you're saying to those teams, Hey, look, we know you had a chance, right? You weren't out of this. Yeah. There was a, there was a very real possibility that you could have made the playoffs. Maybe it wouldn't have happened, but, but that was taken away from you. And as a result, we want to give you a buy-in. So, um, I don't know the more I think back and you re- reinforcing it, I'm more on the 20 team boat as well. I think that would work a lot for the league. And also in that case, um, with the whole quality quantity thing, you're not really diluting anything because you're still making important games. You're just you're just weeding out the really bad teams that aren't going to care as much anyway. Yeah. And then you've got a few teams that actually do care, and you can get creative, have some fun with it, and 
generate more interest than what would have been with everyone. Yeah. Um, well said. All right. Um, before we get out of here, uh, I told you before we started um, my uh, column to, to start off this week for, for the newsletter is going to be about um, I actually so you'll appreciate this because you do insane shit. Um, I went through the last 30 years of NBA drafts and I went uh, and counted every time a team had a top five pick that they traded either like on draft night or like right before the draft, like in the like the Tatum Fultz trade, for example, was I think it was officially it was made official on draft night or whatever a few days before. Um or it was consummated on draft night, but was made official before the season. Um, and basically, I'm going to try to come to some kind of a vague outline of what a trade-up for um, LaMelo Ball would look like. Um, before we just briefly talk about this, do you want to take a stab at how many such trades there have been in the last 30 years? Of teams that have traded into the top five? Basically, a, t- a top five pick was traded, but it was it's not like that. For instance, it's not the the Knicks trading the the Aldridge pick because that was, you know, several years before. It's like the season is over, like the draft order is set. We know we have the third pick and we like a team traded that pick. I see. Um, I'm going to say it happened. Let's go with a dozen times. You're a little low. It's it happened 17 times. Okay. Yeah. Um, which was I, I would have guessed a dozen because you're like, oh, a top five pick. That's you know, it's not something that you feel like. It, it, and and it's also it's kind of weird because it's happened in the last three seasons. Because um, DeAndre Hunter was picked fourth, that pick was traded. Luka Doncic was picked third, that pick was traded for for another pick in the top five. Um, and then the the Fultz and Tatum trade, also two picks within the top three. Before that, it hadn't happened since 2008 when O.J. Mayo and Kevin Love, again, third and fifth picks, um, got traded for each other with uh, with some other stuff. But, yeah, it's happened. And there's listen, there's been all kinds of um, machinations of this type of deal. Um, I just – I want to – start to look at it because I've tried to actually now start to watch tape on LaMelo Ball and I I'm coming around to the opinion that the Knicks may A, talk themselves into doing what it takes to go up and get him and B it becoming a reasonable um, asking price um, with potentially a little bit of assistance from um, you know his camp, let's just say. Um, what what is your general of impression of of a trade up in this year's draft? It's tough because, and John, I'm sure you found this in your research, but it's really rare for teams to trade out of the top five uh, if they have a top five pick trading down outside of five, unless they have another pick. So. For example, the Pelicans did that. They had Zion and then they got the fourth pick, but then they used that fourth pick to trade down. But they still had a top five pick. Um, And I I was just double checking. The last time a team traded up from outside of the top five into the top five and a team traded down from 
in the top five to out of it uh, was 2005 when Walt Perrin's golden child of Darren Williams uh, or Chris Paul, whichever in that case, uh, but it was ultimately Darren Williams, the Blazers traded out. So it's a very rare situation. And this, coincidentally, was the Blazers going from three to six. So, you know, I mean, the league and trades have changed drastically since that point. It's just it's very challenging to trade up all that way. And I think that's the the biggest problem that the Knicks would face where, again, they have the assets to do it if they really wanted to. And we don't know. I mean, some teams, especially if salary, it depends on what the salary cap is. Like if the Warriors are picking third, right, or let's say third, and third. the Knicks are picking sixth or seventh, and the Knicks say to the Warriors, like, hey, you know, um, we know that you're probably going to go after a player that might be off the board by that point, and you don't want to trade up for him. Um, but you know that other players on your board, like I'm thinking Denny Avdija, for example, maybe Denny pro- I mean, probably doesn't get taken top five. Maybe the Warriors really like him. Maybe the Warriors also Maybe. know that they need to offload salary uh, for a player like, I don't know, Kevon Looney, where he's got some money that every dollar counts because of the tax situation that they could be facing. So taking on money and also the Warriors trading back would mean that they could get the player they want for cheaper, uh, which also helps them. So it's tough to identify what that trade would look like without knowing what the salary cap would be. Um, but it also it's helpful that in this draft – there really aren't that many game-changing players that we can think of um, where it would be – where teams would you know, maybe be in a position where they don't want to trade out. With that said though, because it's scarcer, they might want to stay – they might be more reluctant to moving down because of the fact that if they found someone who has star potential of some sort, even if it's just incredible passing, right? And I, I, obviously he's more than that. But if if it's just LaMelo and they're focusing on that – Maybe that maybe they feel like they don't need to trade down because they can just stay where they're at. So identifying what the assets would be is a little tricky right now. But if we had to if we had to say it, I would guess it would have to be probably at least the Clippers pick and another future first. Um, but the one the one really fascinating thing to me is uh, Mike Vorkanoff talked about this in his article about Brock Aller. And he said that Aller loves pick protections. Yeah, I caught that too. I like that. And that, that, that like really excited me because it it's excited like a, me too. I know Knicks fans are terrified at the idea, historically speaking, of trading first round picks. But the Cavs traded so many first round picks with protections that didn't actually go through, In- so including they- one last year. The the um, the there was a a pick in the Hunter. Was it the Hunter trade? No, hold on. I, I maybe I did. God, I've done so much research. Um, they're, they're picked this year is one through ten protected. That's Just right. So, okay, okay, so so Atlanta um, had a, a Cavs. That's right. I think this was. Oh my God, was this from the Kyle Korver trade? I want to say when Korver went to the Cavs. Um, it's a, it was a top ten pick, uh, or a, sorry, it was a pick that was top ten protected. That turned into 2021 and 2022 second rounders if it did not – if it fell within the top 10 this year. And obviously the Cavs pick this year is going to fall within the top 10. So it's 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 protected. It's not going to convey as a first. Right. Yeah. So if you're, the, if you're the Knicks and you want to trade up and you feel like you don't have the assets, you do. And you also can trade your own picks with the protections, you know, like a, a Brock Aller special. 
Um, and it, it's perfect for the team because there's a chance where my, my at least belief is that the Knicks are taking kind of a two-pronged approach, right? On one hand, they're fo- very focused on internal development. We saw that with Perrin. We saw that with Zanin. Uh, both guys are highly respected, especially Perrin for the work he's done. It's a little bit more tangible, which is great. Um, so that's perfect. That's the inside. And on the outside, I still believe that you have Leon Rose who ran CAA. You've got incredible connections there. And the best part, my favorite thing about having World Wide West not working for the team is you completely avoid tampering and he can say whatever he wants and the Knicks aren't liable <laughs> for any of it. Like really, there's nothing stopping up something like where West goes to say clutch, right? And says, hey, uh, you know, AD – He's going to probably want out, right? I mean, at least after LeBron's contract's over or maybe before, whoever, who knows? But at a point, he, he might want to go somewhere else. He might want to win. There might be a team, well, listen, the Knicks, they're building, got tons of cap space. They could do it. They could they could take him on. They could look for other players. They could do trades. Bottom line is the, the possibilities are limitless. But so I, I love the fact that they're able to do that. So kind of transitioning back. Being able to make trades to get these young players who you see immense potential in them this year and especially for next year's draft, you can make the moves to get those guys still have – still be in a position financially to be really well off and you still kind of start back from the assets you had to begin with, uh, which were – which is still great. Like if you go to the the casino and you push – I mean, you didn't win, but hey, you didn't lose. And in reality, the Knicks would be winning here because they'd be getting these top prospects in two consecutive years that they really want. So th- that's uh, I'll, that's the most expounding I'll do on the on the topic for now. I'll, I'll let well, you. Uh, no, I, I think the, it's a, it's a good deal of of intelligent expounding considering the unknowns right now, and there are a lot of unknowns. Um, but even with all those unknowns, the the more I've dug into this. Um, and just thinking about the situation the Knicks are in and thinking about the, um, let's say, unique asset chest they have available uh, to them. Um, we're talking about, you know, you go you go through, you know, the, the you know, these trades that have happened. And so like. The, the Steve Francis trade, right, which is probably the most obvious or it's it's the, certainly the most known example of a guy who basically forced his way out of a situation he didn't want to be in. Um, I completely forgot this name as a guy who was like an NBA player. Do, do you happen to recall the name Michael Dickerson? I don't. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. So Michael Dickerson was arguably the centerpiece of the Steve Francis trade going from Vancouver, um, or excuse me, going from Houston to Vancouver. Um, he was the 14th pick in the 1998 NBA draft. He made the all rookie second team. So it was like, you know, we're not talking about someone that didn't have any potential. You know, he averaged like 10 points a game as a rookie, a little bit of an older rookie, but he's a rookie. American Billy and Gomez. Go on. <laughs> yes, exactly. There you go. Um, you know, it was him and Othella Harrington, once a Nick, always a Nick, um, you know, a future pick. And there was a whole bunch of other stuff, but it was like, and that was, that was a steal really for Houston. And, and they were, you know, Vancouver was backed into a corner. Um, but, but the point remains like, so the Knicks have Kevin Knox and I'm, I'm look, I'm not saying that I want them to, to toss Kevin Knox in a deal because I, if there's one thing that I think I've been a hundred percent clear on 
over the course of the time I've been doing this, it's that the worst thing you could do in the NBA is trade an asset when its value is at its lowest. And I vehemently believe that Knox's value can't get much lower than it is right now. Um, That said, you know, he is the type of sweetener that could potentially get them, you know, from, let's say, seven to three. Not by himself. It would take something else. It would take probably it would take a future pick of some kind. Um, I don't know if it would be the 23 Dallas pick. I don't know if it would have to be the 21 Dallas pick, um, but it'd be something. Um, maybe it'd be the, you know, along with the the their the Clippers pick this year. That could maybe that could be it. I don't know. But they have all this stuff, you know, including Julius Randle, who. You know, you look at the, the the teams that the Knicks might have to trade up to, like Minnesota. Minnesota has James Johnson's contract just sitting there, um, expiring contract. Um, you know, they could maybe talk themselves into a Julius Randle. Um, I, you know, Charlotte, again, maybe they get lucky in the lottery and like there's something there. There's just... There's a lot of stuff and then it's, you know, LaMelo Ball's camp and... and where they want him and the whole thing. I just, I don't know. I'd be surprised if we got the draft night and by the end of it, Lamella ball wasn't a Nick. I guess that's really long and short of it. Um, all right. This was good. This was fun. Went through a lot of shit. Um, he, hey, listen, here's to next week, us recording an episode where we have like definitive information to analyze. How about that? That'd be great. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fantastic? I would love Can't that. wait. <laughs> um, anything from you before we get out of here? Um, yeah, I'll probably have an article out again uh, this week. I say again as in it's the third installment of my uh, Leon Rose spending abilities. This Ooh. one will probably be more restricted. Um, if you catch my drift, uh, the article won't be – all right, I've said too much. Um, but yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. Restricted and, free agents? <laughs> Well, all right. You might as well just say it, John. Sure. <laughs> well, yeah, you hey, said the word. I don't know. Well, I didn't mean the article was going to be restricted. Okay. <laughs> it's about restricted free agents. It is Thanks a, a lot, John. It, it is a it is a Pornhub article. That is what Jeremy is writing. Yeah, yeah. That's um. I I literally have spent my entire time in quarantine just going through all of it. I have officially finished <laughs> Pornhub. Seen every single video. You've is. looked at all the porn on the internet. That's what I've watched like. all of it. I like. I'm so desensitized to it now that it's just uh, it's to me. Um, so yeah, it'll be restricted free agents and I'm looking forward to writing it because um, I, I've talked a little bit about it in terms of, uh, I think I did a mailbag and that contained part of it, but yeah, it should be, it should be good. And at least in terms, of, I don't know, maybe it's bad. I'm speaking too much. It'll be fine. Whatever. <laughs> it'll yeah, be, it'll be wonderful. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, especially because, you know, if I have to read, I'm not blaming Ian for this, but if I have to read one more Ian Begley um, piece about how the Knicks are, um, you know, continuing to keep their eyes out for a, a young disgruntled star that they could trade for, because um, he he drops it. How many times has he dropped this now? A dozen times over the last, and you know he's getting it from somewhere good. So this yeah. is he's not making this shit up. Like this is legitimately a thing that they're they're planning. And and I, you know, I, I don't want to say too much, but I. I would not be surprised if um, one or or a couple of the um, folks that you might want to highlight, um, you know, you know, might be ripe for 
such a trade. Let's just yeah. Let's just also, I just want to say that if Mark Berman releases one more Tyrese Halliburton <laughs> article, I'm gonna blow. Ah, oh, come on! <laughs> hey, he listen. I love how Mark writes in every one of these. He's that he's a consensus top three point guard. I could actually foresee a scenario where Halliburton is the fifth point guard taken in the draft. Yeah, um, I get yeah. You know. He's good. It's just no, I like him. I like I like yeah. and I love yeah. and I love Mark Berman. That's the most important. No, thing. it's great. I mean, look, he's he's doing great work, right? I mean, he's interviewing the right people. It's just like um, you know the Twitter meme where it's like no one, absolutely no one, nobody, and then it's like Mark <laughs> Berman. Here's a Tyrese Halliburton article. That's how I feel because it's just like every single time I seem to open Twitter, there's something new. But- Mark, Mark, if you're listening to this, don't listen to Jeremy. I want more Tyrese Halliburton articles. <laughs> I want you to interview every one of Tyrese Halliburton's teammates. And I want you to just go in depth on what, you know, what makes him special. Um, we don't need to know what makes you special, Jeremy, because it's so obvious. Um, thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, and uh, everybody out there, thank you for listening. And we'll be back with you with another episode uh, very shortly and uh, have a great safe and healthy week. <laughs>